We're reading from Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 to 4. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow upon them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness. Uh, the planting of uh, a planting of the Lord uh, for the display of splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins of uh, and restore the, the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. And then verses 5 to 11. Strangers will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards. And you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations. And in their riches you will boast. Instead of your shame you will receive a double portion. And instead of disgrace you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land. And everlasting joy will be yours. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. In my faithfulness I will reward my people and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them will acknowledge that they are a people of the Lord, a people the Lord has blessed. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with his garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest, and as a bride adorns herself with the jewels. For as the soil makes the young plant come up, and a garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. breathed clearly than <laughs> breathing then okay, magnified do you know I was just looking at the essential Jesus book um, which I will wave appropriately now if you've not got one I'm sure they're still available you can catch up I realize that actually we're all on catch up because the essential Jesus this week is preparing for Christmas Put your lights up, stuff the turkey, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is to be given. <clears throat> so let's do it again then, shall we? Are you ready for it? Christmas again this week? 
once more take it for the team. There we go. Vanda should be no problem should it at home. We'll have Christmas again. And this week, in preparation for Christmas next week, which is the one that Andrew's left me with, um, next week as well, sorry, I don't want to put you off about coming next week, but anyway, this week, we have a plethora of prophecies. Try saying that with no teeth in. Because we scan the servant songs. Now, the servant songs are the ones in Isaiah that speak about the servant Jesus or the servant Israel. And it's kind of got sort of lots of different kind of ramifications. And, and the final one actually doesn't talk about a servant at all. But they say that it's kind of like a servant song, even though it doesn't mention being a servant. Because, again, it is about Jesus. Now, the passages, which those of you who have diligently read them will have read do have a kind of double, even triple edge to them. They have a relevance for their time when the servant is Israel, but also they have a Jesus focus because it speaks in these servant songs and in Isaiah 61 that I'm focusing on at the very end. You'll know you're getting to the end of the sermon when we get to Isaiah 61. That's a blessing for you, although it's going to be some time. Um, That in these servant songs, it speaks not only for them, but then also it speaks prophetically about the Messiah who is to come. And then also, it's something that speaks to us today. For those of you who've been following Whitney Houston, sorry, Whitney Cunicolm, because that's a person who wrote the book, he wonderfully takes the essence, the kind of kernel of the passage, and, and gives us a little nugget for the day little acorn to plant in our lives of biblical wisdom. The first passage, clearly we're going to briefly do all of them just in case you've not caught up, is Isaiah 7. And Whitney sums this up about, well he says it's about trusting God under pressure. That may echo in your particular life at this time. However, in this passage, written 800 years before Jesus was born, the Israelites, firstly, were under pressure. They were under attack. And God's message to them then was, stay calm and I will deal with Pekah and Rezin who were attacking them in Jerusalem. And then he also does this prophetic thing of pointing them towards the deliverance through Jesus the Messiah. Now this may have been well, familiar to you by the preparations that you had before December the 25th. The Lord will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and you will call him Emmanuel. Does it sound familiar? That in the passage, Isaiah 7, is that prophetic word for and about Jesus. And the focus for us, we need to trust God when we feel that we are under attack or pressure, whatever the issue, whether it's physical, spiritual, or emotional, whether it's to do with illness or bereavement, be faithful. Partly because faithfulness in adversity is real faith. Today, you have faith if you keep it, despite the stuff that's going on around you. And it says in Galatians 3.6, that sort of faith will be credited to you as righteousness. I think that in some way is comforting, you know, because sometimes you look around and you think, is it just me who's going through this rubbish? 
but it will be credited to you as righteousness. And Galatians 5.22, it speaks about faithfulness and faith being fruit of the Spirit, along with love and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. But when it's fruit of the Spirit, it means that we actually need the Holy Spirit to give us that faith and faithfulness. Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. So that was Monday, okay? We're now on to Tuesday, if you read it on those particular days. Tuesday had the second little acorn, if you like, from Isaiah 9, verse 1 to 7. Whitney, on first name terms, summed it up in a message of hope. And again, Israel, in Isaiah's day, needed it. Two littlish armies that had been against the people had now been replaced by one big, mighty Assyria. And they were blasting them. So clearly, they needed faith. They needed hope. They needed light entering into the scenario. All sorts of different things they needed. Actually, Isaiah 9 talks about hope, light, joy, and the coming Messiah. They needed, well, they needed a quadruple-barreled kind of hope from God. The people, it says, in this passage, again, you may recognize it, walking in great darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death, and they meant it in that way. A light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. So that's them, then. It's no coincidence that Jesus took kind of prophetic words like this and applied them to himself. Darkness receiving light. Jesus said, do you remember in 8.12, he said, John 8.12 even, he said, I am the light of the world. He kind of claimed those prophetic words, those pictures for himself. Also, this passage in Isaiah 9 reverberated into the good news of the coming Messiah. It wasn't just about light, it wasn't just about hope, but it was, it was the hope of the coming Messiah. Jesus, from his perspective in 1 Peter 1.3.4, It says, praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his mercy has given us new birth into a living hope. Jesus, the Messiah, was the hope that they needed and that we have. It continues in that passage. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead into the inheritance that can never spoil or fade. It's funny, isn't it, how kind of little bits jump out at you. Have you thought about that inheritance that would neither spoil or fade? Because everything else does. And I just wanted, particularly in the light of what's going to be happening in this church on Friday, thinking about claiming that hope, that hope of the inheritance through Christ, that hope of eternal life that will never spoil or fade. But also when we think of Friday as well, another bit that comes out in that passage is the idea of joy. Joy despite circumstances. I don't know if you're one of those joy people. Well, I do actually. I think pretty much all of you are actually. But you know how when you come against adversity and difficulty, you can still smile. You can still kind of look at the bright side of things, even though perhaps around you people would think, why on earth are they like that? And I just think, and I I just have to, to applaud Caroline and her family, 
in, I'm just kind of in awe of them, how despite the circumstances, they can and still do smile. Because that joy is a gift from God. And I believe that, that God gave Caroline her very quirky sense of humor, which is a real testimony to the joy through the Holy Spirit and the great inner strength that he gave her. And he also, it's something that's, you know, it's in the DNA of people. It's a spiritual thing, but it's also something that, that her family have. And I just, you know, applaud them for that. I believe that God gave Caroline a powerful sense of humor and inner strength through his Holy Spirit, which gave him glory because she, through that, was a witness to him. It showed also God's love at work in her life. Jesus said, as the Father loved me, so I have loved you. Remain in my love. I have told you so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. In the Isaiah passage, we've got a bit about joy, we've got light, we've got hope, we've got about the coming Messiah. Again, a familiar preparation for Christmas. For unto us a child is born, a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. And that was good for the people of Israel, that they will have that, and they will receive that, that Messiah from God. But from the Jesus lens, from our perspective as well, just think how he is that for us. Today, do you need that wonderful counselor? You can kind of join it together, actually, but it's also good individually. The mighty God your everlasting father, the prince of peace. And do we need God to be in charge of his world, in charge of his kingdom? I just, as a little aside, um, mentioned the thing that I put on Facebook the other day. Have you noticed that there's this little thing coming up um, in government? Is it um, on the 11th? Is it by Monday we have to respond? Because they're trying to kind of um, offstead Christian children's activities. Have you seen that? Please do complain. Andrew sent it on email as well, didn't you? Please do you know, respond to that. Because what's happening is, is the government is becoming upon people's shoulders who will be um, contrary to the message that we... I mean, how can it be that, that the government tell us what we say about um, Christ, that, that we cannot, perhaps, because we've been offsteaded and it's not politically correct, actually share something about you know, Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life? We need the government to be upon his shoulders and we need to speak up when things like that happen. If you don't know what I'm going on about, ask me or Andrew or one of the elders afterwards. We can fill you in. But please do complain. The Jesus lens for us then in that Isaiah passage that he gives us that hope. He gives us that hope of moving in and working within his kingdom. He is or was the coming Messiah. I mean, he claimed it, didn't he, to the Samaritan woman. In John 4, Jesus said... When she talked about the Messiah, I who speak to you am he. He was and is the hope. He is the promise that they waited for. When we got to Wednesday, okay, we're on Wednesday now. We're, we're getting near the end of the week. On Wednesday, we looked at Isaiah 42. And what was the little kind of gospel nugget, the little the kind of acorn? 
I'm just use one phrase. A bruised reed he will not break. A smouldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. And what he was saying was, initially to the people in Isaiah, he was saying, look, you know, I will actually help the oppressed. I will help those who are abused, those who need justice. And as he did for them, Jesus did for us. The passage which was read earlier by Derek and and Mike talks about his manifesto. But just as we go and we stay with Wednesday, how can we actually be instruments for healing and restoration for those who are downtrodden, those who are abused, those who are in need of healing? Jesus showed to the Samaritan woman the other way. She showed, he showed her a new way of life and a new way of hope. And I pray that we will continue to be a church who sees somebody who is having a bad time and needing to be given um, restoration and healing will be open to that and to bring that healing and help them to blossom into the people of God that he wants them to be. And that may be for you. Maybe you have things that you need to to bring to God and, and God needs to bring that healing and that restoration. But I'm proud of the church that actually looks at people and and shares with people and speaks and prays with people and restores them. On Thursday, Isaiah 52, we have the picture of the, the suffering Jesus in his weakness. We may remember this passage. His appearance was so disfigured beyond any man and his form marred beyond human likeness. And it's a fact to say that even when our body is perhaps broken. It's almost because of our weakness and our vulnerability, because perhaps we have no pride left in some ways. At our most vulnerable, we actually are more valuable to God. And we can say to God, I can actually do nothing. Use me. Use even me. There's a song which says, and I'm sure it's a Bible quote, I haven't traced this one through, he turns our weaknesses into his opportunities because when we are weak, he is strong. His strength shines through. So if you feel like a a bruised reed or or a smoldering wick, if you feel that you have that that brokenness internally or, or maybe even physically, That is a time when you know that only God is your strength and actually you are at your strongest. 2 Corinthians 12.9, God said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, said Paul, I will boast all the more about my weaknesses that Christ's power may rest on me. We've got to Friday, and worry not, there's no Saturday and Sunday in Whitney Cornercombe's world. Isaiah 61, the passage which was read so well to us. I kind of summed this up. I bypassed poor old Whitney. Fair exchange, no robbery. Do you know the bit where 
where he exchanges stuff. The year of Jubilee. And it says, I actually have to open my Bible to do this. I'm going to read to you the kind of exchange that's being offered. He sent us to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. It's interesting, that was part of the prayer, wasn't it, as well today in the prayer book? And the day of vengeance for our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion. This is the exchange bit. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. That sounds good, doesn't it? The oil of gladness instead of mourning. A garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness. A planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. As you've been through the week, if you have done, or as you've caught up today with some of the stuff, some of the hope, some of the light, some of the just looking forward to the Messiah and what he can offer and and some of the brokenness and, and, and as you've kind of, maybe there's bits that God said to you, they're like little acorns planted. And I pray that those will be grasped by you, and it talks about a planting by the Lord. And I pray that they will grow into Caroline Oaks of Righteousness. Sorry, did I, did I slip there? Okay with the word. <laughs> Not wanting to, to honor, say that too much. But, but just the idea that they, they will grow into Oaks of Righteousness. What I mean is with God's Holy Spirit within us and coming upon us, we too can take those nuggets, take those words, speak them and profess them into our lives. However we are challenged, however we are under attack, whatever's going on, God can grow in us actually in the center, in the core of our being, in our spirit, in a way that perhaps even the world can't recognize, but he knows and appreciates. We will have the strength to grow into the women and men of God that he wants us to be to serve him in the here and now and in his heavenly kingdom when he calls us. My question of you is, do you want some of that? Do you want some of that hope, light, joy, restoration, healing and peace? Let's just pray. We thank you, Lord, for that scattering of those kernels of hope, of those promises to the people 800 years before Jesus came in human form upon earth, that can also be seen with the Jesus lens, the lens of hope through that coming and present Messiah. We thank you, Lord, that even now we can look towards Christmas. We thank you, Lord, that we can celebrate that into darkness has come a great light. We thank you, Lord, that you can give us hope, hope for life now and hope eternal. We thank you, Lord, that you can and use us in whatever our brokenness is. 
we thank you that a bruised reed and a smouldering wick will not be put out. That you will pick us up and that you grow us so that we can blossom for you. That we can be strong in you through your Holy Spirit. And Lord, now we pray that your Holy Spirit will come afresh and anew into our hearts and into our lives so that that light of your Holy Spirit will not just be a smouldering wick, but it will be a burning flame for you. So that that Holy Spirit will speak in comfort, in tenderness and encouragement to say that these things are credited to you as righteousness. When you say, like Andrew did in that last story, oh boo, why am I going through this God? that you will know that your strength will be through God's Holy Spirit and that he will sustain you and that he will bring you through. And we pray, Lord, as we enter and continue in 2016, that we will be able to stick through things, that we will continue to walk on the water for you that you will again and again pick us up and restore us and set us on your right path and give us your strength. Pour out your spirit, Lord. Restore us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.